The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Throughout history, dreamers have opened the door for positive change that reshapes the world. Our dreams and stories can also attract individual prosperity and success. Join creative artist Valerie June, Aisha Ophelia, Jacqueline Suskin, and Sarah Walco for The Power of Radical Imagination, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Ignite your radical imagination and cultivate positive change. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Promoting positivity and inclusivity. You're listening to UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Unlock the power of your dreams. Welcome to Ask Dr. Dream with Kelly Sullivan Walden. Welcome to the Ask Dr. Dream Show. This is the place where we fall in love with our dreams and we fall in love with ourselves and get to know the truth of those dreams and get to know the truth of ourselves. I am Dr. Dream, Kelly Sullivan Walden. So happy to be with you. The music you hear behind me is music from Ocho the Invisible. I'm addicted to it. I almost can't do anything without hearing that behind me. It's the soundtrack of my life. So just take a listen to that. You can find some of his tracks on um, Spotify and and iTunes and all of that. So I want to do something a little differently today. First of all, I want to say um, there's been so many wonderful emails going around with solutions and things that we can do for people in Ukraine and all the people who are struggling and suffering right now. And I want this to be a prayerful hour for us to step into solution. There's such, it's, it's just an overwhelming and daunting world crisis that's happening right now. And yet here we are with the gift of technology, with the gift of our attention. What if we could do something with our attention that could make a difference? What if we could get so centered and so filled up with prayer and filled up with well-being that we could actually become like a lighthouse and let that light that emanates from us ripple out and touch people everywhere, especially those who need it most. So let's just enter into a prayerful space. And um, I'm not going to do a normal prayer like I ordinarily do. I want to um, open up the space to my guest who has a new book that's just about to come out. It's called The Courageous Path to Healing. I highly recommend that you get it, get an early, um, you can order it so that you're the first to get it when it comes out on April 8th. But I'm going to tell you a little bit about Jennifer and then she's going to come out and lead us in a little journey. So Jennifer Creastulus 
She is a PhD. She's a certified yoga therapist and inspirational speaker. She presents, writes, and leads workshops and retreats on eating disorder recovery and body image. She also provides yoga therapy via phone or online from Yoga Life Institute in Wayne, Pennsylvania. For more, you can go to her website, jennifercreastulis.com. And that's Jennifer, and I'm going to spell her last name because I might be saying it wrong. It's K-R-E-A-T-S-O-U-L-A-S, Kreatsulis. <laughs> there you go. And that is so jennifercreatsulis.com. So without further ado, Jennifer, welcome to the show. And I'm so grateful to have you here, you and your amazing wisdom and your courageous path to revealing yourself and so that we could all benefit. So I'm going to hand it to you to lead us through this opening exercise. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thanks for having me. And thank you so much to all of your listeners and audience um, for being in this this space with us. I'm feeling really blessed to be here with you. Um, Kelly's invited, graciously invited me to lead one of the practices that I include in my new book, The Courageous Path to Healing. And it's a practice I called Holding It Lightly. So, so often, right, as human beings, we develop attachments. We have things that we worry about, things that we cling to, whether they are beliefs or our our bodies or um, people or things or places, right? Things that as humans, we don't don't want to change or we're trying so hard to to figure something out. And what happens is in in our bodies and our nervous systems, we're in that gripping place, we're all contracted. Right. So I just want to invite anybody who feels comfortable to just kind of make fists with your hands and just feel how that tension goes all the way up into your shoulders, your back, your neck, just for making fists. Right. And you can soften that now. But this idea of holding on so tightly, right, this is this is something that we have the choice to change. So I want to invite everybody to open up your palms in front of you, like you're just holding a little space. Your your pinky fingers can be connected or not. I invite everybody to just look inside and think of something that you're worried about right now or something that you're trying to figure out or gripping or clinging to, something that is just really weighing down your heart. Just pick one just, thing. Can we put a lot of things you can in pick there? Pick as many things as you want. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Right. And there's no judgment here. So this is just being aware that these things are on our hearts. I'd like you to name one or two or three, however many you want to name. And then just imagine yourself very gently placing these things in your palms, just holding them lightly in your palms. For a moment, make your fists again, like you're clinging to these things, you're grasping, you're trying so hard to figure them out and worry and and all of it, all the things that we do as humans. And then do the opposite and just open your hands and come back to holding those things lightly. And now we realize that when we hold things lightly, we have an opportunity. We can like turn our hands this way or we can turn our hands this way and we can look inside and say, oh, I can see this from a different perspective. I can 
see a solution that I didn't realize was there. I can see an option that I didn't realize was there. And oh, my shoulders are a little more relaxed. I can breathe a little better. I can just hold it lightly and the answers will come. I just invite you to take one or two breaths and just remind yourself to hold it lightly, whatever that it is for you today, hold it lightly. Create the space for the answers to come. And this is just a little practice you can take with you into your daily life. And I, I hope you find it helpful. That was beautiful, Jennifer. I feel lighter. Good. It's so interesting. We don't even know. I don't even know how much I'm holding on until someone brings awareness to it or like my shoulders are up to my ears. I'm like, oh, yes. I didn't know that. Or, oh, I haven't breathed in a while. Oh, so let's dive right in because we just have you for this first half hour. So if you would be so kind, you you have, let me just tell people the overarching story here is Jennifer has, um, she she has this incredible book, The Courageous Path to Healing that chronicles, it's very much like a memoir, except there's a lot of takeaways and a lot of a lot of things that people can do chapter by chapter. So that it's, it's a wonderful back and forth conversation. It's like, here, here's you revealing your deepest vulnerability through your eating disorder challenges. And then each story though, ends with this uplifting message of what you did to, and how it brought you closer to, to this path of healing. And it is very courageous. And I just applaud you. I applaud you for making the journey for yourself. But I always tell people when I teach the hero's journey, the journey ain't over until you have figured out how to take the magic that you discovered on your, on your path and give it to others. So you've done that. You're in that stage of the hero's journey where we're all going to be better because of it on so many levels. So for those who haven't yet read your book, because it hasn't come out yet, <laughs> this is, we're like in like time warping here. Um, it comes out in just a couple, like a few weeks on April 8th on Amazon, but tell us a little bit about um, kind of the, the dark night of the soul or the, actually the beginning of, of how the eating disorder began. And then see if you can bring us up to where you are now as best you can. <laughs> sure. Good luck. Well, maybe what I can do is I can talk, talk about it through the three um, sections of the book. Perfect. That's okay. great. Okay. Yeah. Great. So the first section of um, the courageous path to healing, I call discovery. And it's about two pivotal moments in my journey when I was in this place of discovery of realizing, oh, I'm dealing with an eating disorder and I need help, right? So for people who don't know, eating disorders affects individuals of all ages, of all body sizes, of all socioeconomic backgrounds, genders, races, right? We have been kind of shown that eating disorders look a certain way, you know, that, that um, you know, we think of like thin, emaciated, white teenager, right? And yes, those individuals are part of the eating disorder, um, people who are affected, but it's much broader. Um, and eating disorders, they're a way to cope with pain. They're a way to cope with trauma. They're not a phase or a diet gone wrong. And even though they are focused on food and body, there's a lot of other issues that need resolving. Um, and so food and body become the way we cope with the pain and the trauma. 
that makes sense. So for me, my story began in college. I had always been an athlete all my life, loved sports, loved sweating, loved being aggressive on the basketball court, just loved, loved um, physical challenges. And so when I went to college, I joined the crew team. And this was a whole new challenge, a whole new level of team sport. And I, I was taken with it. I loved it. Um, freshman year, it was a phenomenal experience. Sophomore year, not so great. Um, we got a new coach and he was, he was very focused on um, building our team to be winners, which is a perfectly reasonable goal for a coach, right? No judgment. Um, but he wasn't very, in, in my experience, wasn't always so sensitive with how he was talking to us girls and I I tell in the very first chapter of the book the story of how we were at crew practice and he made a comment of you know I can tell how hard you work by how your body changes and you know I don't know if anybody else on the team even heard it but I sure did and it got deep inside of me because I was a people pleaser a perfectionist I was a rule follower. Um, My work ethic was my everything. I was always the best at any sport I played. And so this, this was a challenge. This was a challenge I had to, I had to, to run with. Um, Now I want to be really clear. Like I'm not blaming the coach on the eating disorder. It's the way I received those words and how I internalized them and what I did with them. Right. So that that challenge led me on to this new awareness of, you know, proving myself through my body and living in the world we live in. How else do you prove yourself through your body except to get smaller? That's that's the ideal. Right. That's what's valued. I mean, that is a huge problem in in this society we live in. Um, So, um, you know, within, you know, a year, year and a half, I was I was in treatment. Um, I had become physically compromised from losing so much weight from um, starvation. And, you know, I developed an exercise addiction and, um, you know, eating disorders are, they can be fatal. They're the second most fatal mental illness. Um, so wow, if anyone wow. listening here is struggling, I just want to really validate your struggle um, and remind people they deserve to get support and, and help. Um yeah, so that was the first big moment for me. In, in so I just want to unpack that for just one sec. So when he made that comment that you can prove how hard you're working by the way your body changes. looks, by the changes. way your body changes. So it was as if to say, um, maybe smaller, less fat, more muscular is better. And how you are now, it's fine, but it's not so great. So there's this subtle thing of like, he's the alpha, he's the one I need to please. And he's not pleased with what's here. Exactly. Again, that's how I internalized it. Right. 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 And he might've been, he might've meant something else, but that, but yeah. Yeah. And I'm with you. And I think I've, I've never, um, I don't, I never talk about this because it's not like it's part of my story, but it, but it is, I, I, well, I, I always say I, was a failed anorexic because mm. I did try. I did try, but mm. I kept fainting. And people would they take me to the nurse in class and say, "Okay, well, what did you eat today?" And I didn't eat anything. What did you eat last night? 
nothing. What, when's the last time you ate? And then it was like alarm parents, school teachers. So it was like, okay, I got busted. And then when I would try to be bulimic, I would bust blood vessels. So I am a little (laughs) glib about it, but I did try in earnest and it just didn't stick, but I understood the mentality and the feelings and the pressure. Yeah. Well, to me, what I'm hearing, you very much were experiencing those, those illnesses and they are the physical side effects yeah. You know, eating disorders are their mental illnesses, but they also are, are physical illnesses and emotional right. illnesses. So yeah, I'm sorry that you had to suffer like that. Yeah. And it's interesting. My mom bought me the book, best little girl in the world as a cautionary tale, but I, my best friend and I used it as an instruction manual. It's like, yeah. Oh, this is how you do it. And it lasted for a little while, but, it, but the people pleasing, I think is is underneath there's pain. And then there's wanting to be perfect and wanting to control what there is to control in order to get the love or in order to get whatever it is. So, so keep going, unpack this. I don't know what happened to you next. Um, You went into treatment. Yes. So, you know, I'm, I acknowledge that I have the privilege to be able to go to to treatment that not everybody has access, um, which is a, a huge problem in, in, in the system. And now I'm, I'm really blessed to be in the field and know people who are working to change that. Um, you know, yeah. So uh, just being mindful of time, you know, I had this, this is when I was initially diagnosed in college, went to treatment, found yoga. Yoga became a really big part of my healing journey. Um, but if I fast forward then to my thirties, after I'm a new mom, this is the other big piece of that first section um, I relapsed. I relapsed. And before my my newborn had turned one, I was back in treatment. And it was really painful to leave my family. My daughters turned three and one while I was in treatment. Um, you know, my husband was holding down the house and taking care of the babies. And, you know, that's that's how it had to be in order for me to come out and then be the whole woman, mother, wife human being that I longed to be and knew I could be. So um, that set me on my path to becoming a yoga therapist. Obviously, a lot of years, <laughs> we're talking about a lot of years and what I'm explaining here. But, right. you know, um, the second part of the book is called Awakening. And this captures stories from after my relapse of these, these moments where I'm coming face to face with incongruencies of, you know, I'm trying to get better, but I'm still holding on to this illness. And how do I resolve those incongruencies? And I guess the perfect example I can share from one of the chapters is, you know, I'm, I'm in my bedroom getting dressed for work. I have clothes all over the place because I put on clothes and taken off clothes and put on clothes and taken off clothes. And I'm, I've stood in front of the mirror and I've picked myself apart all of this cruelty and all of this self, you know, harming thoughts and negativity. And then there's a knock on the door and it's like my little toddler who just had a bad dream and needs a hug. Right. And it's like this moment of like, how do I reconcile that in one moment I am nasty and, and, and suffering so much in this, this way and toward myself, ripping myself apart. And then in the, in five seconds later, I'm nurturing my child and hugging her and comforting her and telling her she's safe. 
right? And so it's like these moments of these incongruencies where I'm not aligned that I have to come face to face with and resolve. So that that section is, I think, you know, it was really powerful to write and to remember those moments where, you know, I'm I'm I have one foot in each door, you know, trying to be sick and trying to be well at the same time. So having to move through that. And then the last section called embracing is me finally living my recovery. Doesn't mean it's perfect, right? But it's realizing I have the tools, I have the awareness. I'm on the other side of that intense day in, day out suffering. I've now been able to integrate all that I've learned and been working toward into my daily life. Um, and I think that's, you know, the, the message of the book, you know, I just define courageous as just showing up for yourself, showing up. And it's the repetition. It's the commitment. Keep showing up, even when it's hard, even when it's scary, even when you don't want to. I had so many moments I wanted to give up. Many years of walking the line of crisis of, you know, my therapeutic team telling me, like, if you don't get your act together, you're going back to treatment, you know? And so it's not a straight line, but can we be committed and keep showing up? And, and I think that is like the most courageous thing you can do in your life. Mm. Jennifer, I'm just so inspired by you on so many levels. And I'm so I'm happy for you that you, it's like the, the notion in 12 step programs that you're as sick as your secrets, you've exposed these secrets and you don't have to be sick anymore. Or there's like the, it's, there's this wellness and I feel like it gives permission. I mean, I'm in the midst of writing more, much more um, memoir-esque, much more like, here's my secrets. And I feel like it's, it's, I'm so proud of you. I mean, you're right on the cusp of this coming out. And it's, I just want to affirm what tonic it is to hear the the problem, to hear it in as gory of the details as possible, and then to walk us through how grace showed up and then what you did with it and how you imperfectly did it until you find your way to some new habits that have you become this beacon of inspiration to to me, to other people, to your girls. And Mm -hmm. I think there's um, one of the things that I heard, there were so many pieces in here and I want to acknowledge what one of the turning points that you had was when you were talking to, I believe it was um, your therapist, Linda Mm -hmm. and um, props to her. She sounds like a brilliant being, (laughs) but where you were, you were talking about how you just really wanted to get rid of this demon, this like, uh, just want to get rid of it. And then she gave you a a way of looking at it that was a little different. So you talk about it going from being a demon to a such a pivotal moment. And thank you so much for raising that. Yeah. It was actually with my yoga therapist, Eric, your yoga therapist. Okay. Yes. And And Linda's also brilliant. Yeah. Linda's also brilliant too. She's key. And, And thank you for mentioning both of them. Um, first forever I had just felt like you know this demon this monster this this thing right that was just you know ruining my life um and Erica you know saying to Erica like I just want to banish this you know and she said to me in such just total calmness she's like Jennifer this has been a part of you for over 20 years instead of 
this being something you have to love or hate or banish, why don't you let it be a teacher? Why don't you let it see what it's trying to teach you? Right. And it, that, and then, and she said, you know, you're capable of everything in your life because of this eating disorder and despite it. And that was just like, whoa. And I have to say, if someone had said those words to me 20 years earlier, I think my path would have been so much di different. You know, I think the lang the way language is used matters so much. And there is this kind of, you know, othering that happens when we talk about mental illness, right? And I think if we can, if we can change that and othering, say, like saying like, here I am and here's the good part of me. And then here's this part of me way over here. That's really not even me. It's not a part of yeah. me. It's this, this devil right. that just keeps showing up. Yes. Right. And, and, and I want to validate that is the experience like of living through it, right. Whether it's an eating disorder or whatever you want to call it, right. There is that kind of experience. However, I feel like once we gain awareness, can we, can we say, you know, this is a teacher, you know, when your urges to restrict or, you know, purge or overexercise come in, that's, that's like, something's trying to get your attention. Something in your life needs your attention. Exactly. What is this trying to teach you about what you need right now? You know, versus, you know, this evil inside of me. And man, I mean, that really did change everything for me that conversation and this it is, is the work that I do as a yoga therapist and in all the programs that I run through my virtual school yoga for eating disorders and this is where our work converges because this is the at the crux of everything I teach and everything that I want to empower and that's been that was the most empowering thing for me on my journey to realize that there isn't a devil outside of me that there isn't and and there's not and even with the people like in the world that I would demonize, it's like when the moment we swallow the bitter pill and no pun intended about the swallowing or in, <laughs> ingesting yeah. that we're connected to everything. That's the good news. It's the bad news, but it's the best news because we can't do anything about something that's over here, but we can absolutely intend to love these parts of ourselves and, and, and be informed by them and not cut them off. It's, it's, it's exactly shadow work at its finest. And yeah. I think there's, I mean, I feel like I'm, this might be blasphemous to say like recovering Catholic girl that I am. I'm always afraid of the lightning bolt. That's going to come out and like, whap. Oh! but I want to say that even with like, I mean, I know when I've been in nine one one situations, I don't want to hear spiritual platitudes. I want to just get, get okay. But once I'm in a safe place. Then it's like, okay, I need to wrap this and I need to understand this. So there's a war going on yeah. and there's a war that's going on because there's othering going on. Yeah. We can only declare war when we think that somebody isn't us. If we saw the world as if they were all, everyone was happening inside of us, we wouldn't declare war on ourselves. We just wouldn't do it. We would figure out other constructive ways. And so in some way, if we could do something, I'm always looking for the solutions of like, what can we do sitting here? I think it doesn't hurt to notice the devil that we put anywhere, even if it's Russia, even if it's Putin, if it's whatever, and to not condone horrible behavior, but to find our way to healing. Anyway, I, we, oh my gosh, we have, we're, 
we've, we're running out of time, Jennifer. Oh, no. Let me just say, <laughs> I promised you we weren't going to do this, but your book, The Courageous Path to Healing, is out soon. Everybody run and get it. Jennifer Creast, Creastulus? Creastulus. Okay. Thank you for being on my show. <laughs> Throughout history, dreamers have opened the door for positive change that reshapes the world. Our dreams and stories can also attract individual prosperity and success. Join creative artist Valerie June, Aisha Ophelia, Jacqueline Suskin, and Sarah Walco for The Power of Radical Imagination, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Ignite your radical imagination and cultivate positive change. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Dream interpretation and a lot more. Welcome back to Ask Dr. Dream with Kelly Sullivan Walden. Welcome back to the Ask Dr. Dream show. So I was just talking with Jennifer Creasulis, and her book is The Courageous Path to Healing. It comes out April 8th, so you can pre-order it right now. I highly recommend it. Whether you're somebody who's ever dabbled in eating disorders or you've been like seriously down that path or you know somebody that has, I imagine everybody fits into one of those categories. It's, but it's also not just about eating disorder. We all have bodies and we all have um, messages from the media or from the world that tell us how we're supposed to look or what we're supposed to, how we're supposed to be. And often we all have some kind of a dysmorphic view on ourselves and there's not enough self-love. So her book, The Courageous Path to Healing, I think will help to unravel some of that and help help us to create some new patterns. So check her out. Her website is jenniferkreatsulis.com. And that's Jennifer, J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R, and then K-R-E-A-T-S-O-U-L-A-S.com. And I'm going to sneeze. Okay, maybe I'm not. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about you. Let's go into your dreams and what you've got going on. I'm all ears about that. Let's see, Denise, you are up. So I'm calling on you. Come on in. Hi. Oh, P.S. If anybody Hi. else has a dream, the number to call is 816-251-3555. And you can also join me on Facebook if you want to post anything in the chat, Kelly Sullivan Walden Dreams. And or if you're watching from Facebook, come over to Unity Online Radio. And again, the number is 816-251-3555. Okay, Denise, I'm all yours. Tell me what's cooking in your kitchen. 
Yeah, I'm having strange, strange dreams, I reckon. Um, awesome. I dreamt, well, I don't know if it's strange, it's just a dream. Okay, I had a dream that I was, I think, with, it, I don't know, I don't know if that's rele- relevant or not, but I, I was with my, I, I was with somebody. I was in a house. <laughs> okay. uh, you know, hell, um, I was with somebody, and, um, and, Wait, and the masculine, door, I, feminine. I know. I, I, I want to say, I really, really want to say my brother. I have okay. two. I want to say the oldest one. I was in the house with some, yeah, I, I was in the house. But um, all of a sudden, the doorbell rang or the door knocked. I can't remember which one. But anyway, and I say there was more than one person in that house because I said, why don't somebody get the door? And, and, or something, you know, I'm talking out loud, somebody get the door and nobody mm-hmm. does. So then I go to the door, story of my life, I go to the door and there's a lady standing there and I don't know her. I don't know her from a can of paint. And she says, are you Denise? And she said my last name. And I said, yes. And she pulls out a gun <gasps> and she points it at me. What? And I just stood there and, but I didn't, and, and dream ends and she never pulls the trigger. And it's a small gun. You know, when I say a gun, I don't mean like a AK, you know, like a nine millimeter or something like that. But the woman, I'm looking at her and I felt sorry for her. This is true. What? I said to myself, yeah, I said to myself in the dream, you could see mental health. She looked a little disheveled she looked like you know are, are you denise on yeah and you know and i'm calm as a cucumber even you know and she just looks like she's like she's not like she's not well and i said to myself in the dream this is true i said i do not know this lady i did not do anything to this lady and i do not deserve to be shot because she was mad she was mad she was angry at me but i don't even know who you are I, I did not, and I said to myself, I, I didn't get a chance to say, you know, I don't even know you. She, um, it, but you didn't see the gun at first. Once she realized that it was me, that's when she pulled the gun from underneath her, um, her jacket or whatever it is that she was wearing, and she pointed it. And I stood there. I did not duck. I did not move. I did not squint. I just looked like you poor thing. What's wrong? What happened? And whatever it was, it's not me. And that's that's Ooh. that's the truth. She never shot. The dream ended. The dream ended. But she she was pointing it at me when the dream ended. Um, yeah, not the top part. She just she just kind of pulled it up and 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 pointed. And I was like, okay, do what you got to do. I mean, I, it was, I hate to say that. I I'm not trying to sound cocky, but in the dream, I said, what happened to this lady? I did. Wow. I asked myself when I was in the dream, what's wrong? Where you got this place anger at me. But anyway, that's the truth. Okay. Wow, Denise. Okay. So let's jet set this. You just gave us the just the facts, ma'am. And your emotion in this dream was concern for her and kind of. Yeah. So confusion. there was no real alarm about. No. It was confusion, like, why am I the chosen one? I don't know you from a can of paint. And she looked disheveled. She looked like she okay. had a mental illness. She did. 
did. Interesting. Okay. So, and she looked like she had a mental illness. All right. So the title of this dream is. Wow. Um, <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that's not it. <laughs> but um, the title of this dream is really why me? Why me? Why me? Yep. That's the title. Why me? Why me? Okay. Or are the enemy or the enemy or are the enemy and or demon is inside of you, not me. Ooh. The demon is I in you, not me. Okay. Something is, something is wrong with you and you're taking your anger or whatever's inside of you out on me because I, I, I don't know her. Who goes around trying to shoot somebody they don't even know? Mm, I mean, it unfortunately happens, like, right? So, and the so to go to the S in the in the formula, the symbols. Um, so we know that this this woman is a symbol, this disheveled, homeless, like mentally ill woman yeah. that is looking for you. What do you, is there anything about her that bumps up against anything in your life? Is there anybody that's falsely accused you of anything? Is there um, some, some woman that has like threatened you or a feminine energy that's threatened you? No, but okay. I'm glad you said that because don't forget last. Well, they kind of go in order, but I think the yeah. one I gave you last week, there was something in between those two. The Navy uniform might have been in between those two. But I told you about riding the bicycle and right. passing that house and somebody's on the balcony and it was a woman. Now, I will tell you that the bicycle was a Caucasian lady. The 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 gun was an African-American lady. I can almost say what they had on because you're not, you're not dreaming college. Right. You know, I'm just so what is if um, I was if I was a, if I was an alien, what's a gun? Don't know what the, what's the nature that, of a gun. Something, something can something that can hurt you, harm you, and even kill you. Harm you and even kill you. Okay, all right. So now the last two letters that enlighten. Um, do you have any hunch before I weigh in on how this dream might be helping to enlighten you? In other words, give you a gift um, to help you with being more whole, healthy. I- I, I, I've been thinking and and getting messages that I'm supposed to be helping because of the environment that I came out of. And I just keep missing it so much. I don't know when I'm gonna get over this environment, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I I felt sorry for her. I had no fear. Yeah. That's such an interesting piece. I'll be honest with you. I didn't think that she was going to shoot me. And I, stood there and most people would just shut the door real quick oh my god but I stood right. there like oh my yeah. god yeah right it's a very um that that response is a symbol in this dream worth paying attention to and that happens and I noticed that in the dreams that you shared we the more we observe our dreams the more we see patterns in the way we things that happen and the people that show up. And one thing that I, that I observe about you, Denise, if it were my dream is that no matter what gets thrown at Denise, there's always kind of a calm, cool demeanor to handle the situation. So that I think is an interesting 
and and I think the added piece is, is compassion. I'm it's it's making me think of years ago my practitioner Nirvana, who was my spiritual coach, who was such a a dear and transforming person in my world. He said that he actually was once held up at gunpoint, and his response was oh man, you don't have to do this to yourself. And he he responded oh. with such compassion that the man said, I can't shoot you. And he put his, he just, and then Nirvana oh. ended up hugging him and the guy dropped the gun and and it was such a beautiful response. And it is, I think oh. if we all had the wherewithal, we would approach the things that we think are so attacking to us in that way. We would step into this place that you so beautifully demonstrated where we're kind of being like the spiritual adult, the big brother, the big sister, like, oh, honey, you don't have to do that. What's, what's going on with you as opposed Mm -hmm. to just being a reactivity machine. I think this Mm -hmm. is, this is exactly where we're headed. And I would say it's an interesting conversation because there's the, I know there's something going on with you. It's not me. It's you. And then, but I would also say there's the hologram within the hologram within the hologram. Sorry to get confusing, but I would say, where do I project my pain, fear, worry on somebody else? Mm. Does that make sense? Mm. Like it's you, not me. Is there any place where that could be true? Um, It's you, not um. You what mean, did you say? I kept missing you. <laughs> um, let me take you. Um, what you're saying that are I don't have. Well, I think it's. I, I think to. it's. This is just picking things up one notch because I feel like the the healing and the gifts in my world they always come when I'm willing to do the courageous work to look at how am I like that even if it's unpleasant, yeah. even if I don't like it, it's, okay. it's almost like it's a sign of self-esteem to recognize, Oh, I am that. Ooh, I have some I of that. If, even though, you. so like, where might I be yes. somebody who would project my pain on somebody else? And I might want to shoot them energetically and shooting in a dream from my perspective is about ending a pattern, wanting to get rid of something that's unpleasant, kind of like what Jennifer Creostulus was talking about in the earlier segment about the big healing for her and her world came when she was able to see the disorder instead of it being a demon. It was like, how could this be a teacher? How is this a part of me that's actually that actually brings some, some gift to bear. So how could this crazy um, homeless um, mental disordered woman, how might she be a gift? How might there be a gift that she's bringing? And uh, th- this might sound very strange, but I guess, are you following? I, no, no. Okay. I, I, so, uh, I don't want to lose it for a second there. I thought that maybe I have never in my life been to a, any kind of therapy. Never, ever, never, ever. I just never have. Do Do I need to look at Do I need to look at myself? See, the thing I find kind of pleasant about it, though. Yeah, you believe this. Yeah, believe that, Is that she didn't crawl through a window? She. Oh, I opened the door. Yeah. Opportunity. The door opened. I opened the door to something negative. 
but she didn't climb through the window. I wasn't driving a car. The door to the house or apartment, whatever it was, I opened the door, and it wasn't my house. I even mm. said to somebody else in there, somebody needs to open the door. Somebody is right. Leaving. But, but, but she was looking for me. Right. When I opened the door, she said, are you Denise Holmes? And I said, yes, I am. And then she immediately, um, just pull, you know, yeah. Wow. So I don't know. I think the, the door is kind of deep, too. The I'm door is door. interesting. Yeah. So what's the door? Yes, it is. And we'll, yeah. Tell an me in the... An opportunity, an mm-hmm. opportunity, an opportunity. Do I need an opportunity? Do I need to be working? Is there, is there an opportunity for me to work with people? Uh, Something not now you got me now I gotta now I gotta really take this because I the door just hit me a few minutes ago I don't look at doors I, I look at doors as opportunities when, especially when you open a door I opened the door you did I, you I, did yes I opened the door and doors are opportunities she didn't climb through the window I wasn't sitting there watching TV and all yep. the lady I opened the door so I let it in or I let something. Ah, I'm playing with it a little bit here. I got to, uh, I love it. I love that you opened like that, that there was the knock and that you did. Nobody else wanted to do it. Nobody else. Like this is the, mm. the opportunity that maybe nobody's really like excited about, but yet an opportunity is an opportunity. It's like, maybe it's a destiny that's knocking and you answered the door and you handled the situation with such, um, in such a way that's to be commended. I mean, it shows me like that, that response was so radical and so advanced and so beautiful. It tells me there's a gift here that's being revealed in the face. Often our gifts get revealed in contrast to the the most awful situations. I mean, like, for example, in the pandemic, so many people have, have pivoted their careers, have changed what they do for a living, right. for their creative expression. It's like there's there's these opportunities that that knock that are that are awful that we would never pick. I mean, there's a war happening right now. And sometimes it's in the midst of war. It was 9-11 or whatever, where people discover their purpose and find where they actually have a gift that is worthy. So I think there's a gift that you have here in being able to have compassion for the people that maybe need it. And maybe there is something to follow the breadcrumbs on if it were my dream. So that brings us to the T, the take it to the street. And um, I'm, my my question is to you, what might you do in the physical, tangible universe to honor the wisdom of this dream? Well, um, I'm, 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 I'm going to look at it both ways. Like you said, I, I don't see that as me, but at the same time, I'm not going to rule out that. Um, I mean, I don't feel that way, but maybe unconsciously I am. I'm going to look at it two ways, the opportunity with the door and a positive, and then I'm going to say, is that me? What I like about the dream, too, is she never shot. The dream ended. She never shot. I always think when, when somebody comes after somebody with a gun, I think about Reverend Michael Beckwith's dream about being pursued by gunmen or did they have knives? I'm not sure, but they were consistently pursuing him and they finally Mm. caught up to him and they shot and killed Mm. him. And then he went into what he called love beauty, which is another word for like this heavenly realm where all these answers came to him and he was transformed Mm. in that experience. 
came back into his waking life, a changed person. So the threat of death in a dream or actual death in a dream is about radical change, the ending of a pattern. Mm. So there might be a part of self, a part of myself, if this were my dream, mm-hmm. is saying this pattern needs to end. And I'm not quite ready to, to, to shoot you to end it, but we're getting close. Like, so what is that pattern that needs to be ended in order for this new pattern to emerge? Mm. So with that, I want you to chew on that and then let me know next week. <laughs> so okay. I'm going to take the next call, but I love this, what this opens up and um, what the, the door that it knocks on for all of us. Thank you, Denise. Okay. Thank you. All right. Bye. All right. So Miss Chelsea Lee, I'm going to open up the line for you. Hello, Chelsea Lee. What have you been dreaming about lately, sweetie? Hey, Kelly. Hi. Um, so I have this dream for you. I don't, I think I might have shared it in class, but not here. So okay. I just wanted to share it again. Great. Um, so I don't know. It's just kind of a discussion, too, because uh, talking about dreams with people, I don't know if that's like a common dream theme for people or not, or if it's kind of strange. But I, okay. I've had a couple of like cart where cartoons or like not, maybe I'm not in the cartoon world, but the cartoon characters are in like the regular world. I love um, that. Wow. Kind of so um, my dream is I am find myself outside and we're standing outside and um, there's this like tiny house and the big character Jake the dog from Adventure Time comes up to me and greets me and he's like hey I'm gonna go in and make you a sandwich I'm like <laughs> oh you know no trouble like I don't I'm good but like being like motherly or whatever he's like no I'm gonna go make you this this, this sandwich so he goes into the tiny house and I can see him through the window just like <laughs> lovingly painstakingly just making this crazy sandwich and you know like with all these good vibes in it and he comes back out and gives me this sandwich um and that's all there really was to the dream but the thing that really hit me is like I myself haven't had many um cartoon type dreams so that really stood out to me and like um yeah it was just really odd (laughs) wow so what's the feeling in this dream what's the energy, um, what did it feel like I to be you say, in the street? Um, uh, supported and like loved, you know, when somebody really goes out of their way just to, you know, make sure that, you know, you're feeling good or whatever, or seen, I guess. Oh my God, that's beautiful. And if I was an alien, um, what's a cartoon? Mm. Uh, like an animated story, I guess. Okay. And what's the difference between an animated story and something in real life? In real life? Um, I guess there's kind of a twist on it. Um, Ooh. Usually, I guess there's kind of a humor aspect to it or um, something, some kind of twist. Mm, a twist, yep. Okay. And what's your title for this stream? Um. Hmm. Don't think I have name this dream. So I will name it Jake Lovingly Makes Me a Sandwich. Jake Lovingly Makes Me a Sandwich. Aw. <laughs> okay. So do you get a hit on how this dream might be trying to enlighten you before I weigh in? Um, kind of 
like the last thing that I picked up on. I think kind of just that real energy of uh, being seen by someone and how that feels. Um, you know, just you know, it doesn't have to be something huge yet, but when someone does that for you, um, you know, just how it can make you feel. Mm. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, okay, so are you? Would you like a little um, reflection yes. from moi? Yes. Of course. So if it were my dream, I, when I, a cartoon for me, and I'm not familiar with Jake, the dog, but a cartoon in my world is an exaggeration of something that is in my, in my ordinary world, but it's kind of like, it's bigger than life. And if a, if a cartoon shows up in my dream, I feel like it's not just a regular dog. If this was, if this was mine, it would be, it wasn't a dog that showed up and was talking and wanting to make me a sandwich. It was, it's like bigger than life so much so that it got my attention because it's so strange to interact with, with a cartoon in waking reality. So it feels like it's almost like a billboard versus a bumper sticker. It's that much bigger trying to get my attention. And from my perspective, a dog is a symbol of loyalty and best friend and, and support and all that unconditional stuff. And so that's the energy that went into the, the sandwich and the tiny house. What does that mean to you? If you could, in a, in a nutshell, um, why a tiny so house? I think that was also kind of representational of maybe that was Car- my tiny space. Like that's all I feel like that I need is a tiny space, but I do that's a real thing that I'm realizing is like, I do need this space to like be creative or oh, whatever it is, work or whatever. So, so these are the puzzle pieces. That, out of it. Ah, so it's like carving out space for oneself to be, um, if it were my dream, it would be about, here's a beautiful, it's a tiny space, but it's precious. And this unconditionally loving aspect of me that is connected to my instinctual self that I think a dog is such an interesting um, character in a dream because it's domesticated wildness. And as you know, from having been in our, in the way of the awakened dreamer, I was talked a lot about wildness and dogs have, they're still connected to wildness and yet they, they operate in this world, in our world. So this is the part of myself that is feeding me that's, that's taking care of me. That's nourishing me. That's nurturing me. And, and didn't you, part of your project was also having food and dreams connected to mm-hmm. each other. There being dreams and dinner. Isn't that yeah. something that you're passionate about? Yep. Yeah. So maybe that's and part of the talking about that, like yeah. that space, if that's my space and he's able to go in there and pour love into what he creates, like maybe I can. Yeah. So it's like, I'm thinking of the movie, like water for chocolate, how there was such an emphasis on the energy that somebody has when they're making the food, how it goes into the food and it, it affects the people so deeply. So maybe this is, if this were my dream, it's part of, if I'm going to have these events where people come around and talk about dreams, I want them to feel nourished and nurtured, but I want what goes into that food to also be as nourishing as the dream conversation, or they go, they go hand in glove, but either way, this is one of those dreams to milk and to like, to be nourished by ongoingly. Cause it feels like some, some part of my dreaming self is telling me that I am worth loving and supporting. And, oh my God, 
This is the end of the show. What a perfect <laughs> note to end things on. So go make a Thank sandwich you, and love yourself and everybody love yourselves. And the more you love the unlovable aspect and love the most lovable and the parts that we judge, like what Denise was talking about, the, the person that came to the door and what Jennifer was talking about, like, we just got to love ourselves. We just need to turn up the volume on our love. And until we all meet again next week, don't take your dreams lying down. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.